0: Welcome back to Feminists Want System Change. I am Emma. and I am here with and sophie hi everyone. So we have our first meal on the podcast, which we're very excited about. <laughs> His name is Carlos. Carlos, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do with your organization. So my name is uh, Carlos De Borto Um I define myself as a um, feminist, queer, gender non-conforming. Ah, sorry. And, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I I, I take everything. So yeah, because it's, it's 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 still a education process. So you know, f- for people to get into the uh, the gender thing and also the pronoun. So I'm very comfortable, you know, with um, any pronoun as long as you know I um I'm a, I accepted myself. You know, and it's done for where I am. So that's I think that's what matters. That said, um, so I um, I'm involved with NAMEN, which is a North America, Men Engage, uh, and NAMEN is part of um, the global the global Men Engage Alliance, and both a, a, a pro feminist um, organization working on educating boys and men on gender-based violence on um, uh, addressing patriarchy uh, patriarchy issues um, within different, you know, tackling different angles and also um, uh, addressing issues around uh, sexual and reproductive health and rights. So can you tell us a little bit how did you first get involved in human rights activism? Um, that was back in in, in 2003. I mean, um, it, it literally started when I was 18 years old, when I came back from France, because I grew up in France. When I came back to, to Ivory, it was my home country. And at that time, HIV was, you know, quite, you know, out there. And people were dying like flies because we didn't have any medication. And at 18 years old, I was I became the first... Um, a volunteer in the first HIV organization, but I, um, I didn't understand, you know, really why I was involved, um, I mean, what was the uh, HIV, but I, for me some people were dying and it was quite relevant to get involved and I found myself being the youngest one uh, as a volunteer in that organization. And from that, um, I finished my university, I started teaching, and then I was working in the, uh, the first um, a network of 25 organizations for people living with HIV at that time. There were 25, now they're like up, 72 organization members of that network. And um, I got involved you know, in the community work and my boss and I at that time uh, both you know queer we thought you know we're working on the HIV field which is fine you know because you know it it was it's a pandemic for for everyone and everyone needs to be educated about that but we didn't have anything for the uh, for the LGBT community Mm -hmm. so we co-founded the first LGBT community back in 2003 in Ivory Coast so literally that you know um, pushed me up front uh, to be more visible, uh, even though I never thought about, you know, coming out as an issue because I was just living my life like every, everyone else. So the coming out, I really, literally understand what coming out is after the media outed me by putting my picture on the top of one of the national newspaper um, as the uh, president of the homosexuals of uh, Ivory, Ivory Coast. Then I realized that, you know, I just, you know, got into, right into, I landed right into the activism work. So obviously the uh, human rights agenda uh, was the first one. And, but at that time, we couldn't really talk about human rights directly. We have to go through HIV, you know, mm-hmm. because HIV was a concern mm-hmm. for everyone. So no matter what country, you know, you come from, the government stands for, for HIV and AIDS, but not other aspect of a, a minority, you know, uh, uh, human rights. Even for women as well, you know, because the women issues, like the women conversation uh, around the, the human right uh, literally started, you know, um, recently, you know, in country in a country like Ivory Coast, even though we had um, back in the day, like a ministry of uh, women affair, but it was a political agenda, mm. you know. I just want to touch on the framing that you mentioned about the importance of language mm-hmm. in regards to how you had to go through HIV and focus on a more health aspect than a human rights aspect. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? I find it very interesting. Okay um what would you like to know specifically because I mean so I'm assuming you I'm assuming you had to do this because of obstacles that you were facing on on a ground level so so basically um as I mentioned um my director and I um both queer and um well-known in the community and knowing also that a lot of people were dying from the community were dying from AIDS but they couldn't you know have access to To any treatment, they couldn't have even because at that time the only thing that we had was like uh, to uh, sit beside people who were dying from AIDS and you know telling them jokes, making them feel a bit you know. you know, happy before they, they pass away, but we couldn't do that for the uh, for, for the uh, the gay community because of homophobia. And and when finally the, the treatment came out, the first treatment came out, they couldn't have access to treatment. They couldn't go to hospital to go di- to get diagnosed. They have to hide themselves. And when they finally get diagnosed, the uh, the uh, they the, the, the hide themselves. They go back to the village to die. So many people were dying in the community, so we didn't have any choice to really stand um, as a uh, as an activist if we wanted our voice to be heard. Um, so, so the process when we set up the organization, the process uh, was to advocate um, to the government so they can recognize the LGBT community uh, in Ivory Coast. Even though everybody knew that they are, you know, gay, lesbian, you know. And uh, and transvestites at that time we were calling transsexual and transgender people transvestites. Yeah. yeah. So even though they knew, but the first phase, the first work that we did in terms of advocacy was to educate them so they can recognize, you know, the presence of that community. The second phase was uh, funding. So after we push. Very hard for the recognition. We also, which which included um, uh, the fact that we wanted to be um, uh, uh, included as uh, a vulnerable population in the national strategic plan. So that was another battle. We struggled for that and we got it. And then we had to fight to fight for funding because even the Minister of HIV/AIDS in Ivory Coast. Uh, which was at, at that time one of the countries to have, you know, uh, yeah. an exclusive ministry on HIV. They didn't want to give us funding. Thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, it's. I'm kind of lost for words, just listening to your experience. It's, I'm, I'm, yeah, sorry, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Can I ask you, like, do you have recommendations about what the international community can do to end discrimination against homosexuals? Is there something that... You know, every government can implement today. That you know, it's um. Uh, it's, uh, thank you for the question. You know, it's been it's been a long journey. Um, when I look at 15 years ago, um, what has been like how the the LGBT movement looked like? Uh, we literally had our passion, you know, to to do the work because we couldn't even we didn't even understand the constitution of our, our country. So, uh, article like a uh, immoral act that. So in some countries, the government linked to the penal code to jail people. We didn't, un- we didn't have a better uh, uh, a clear understanding of that. So we had our, only our passion. So that's that's one of the things that the government was using to abuse us. And when we finally, you know, when we started the movement, once again it was men. Men, all the programming services was around men. And because I knew at that time that I was already feminist. And even though I co-founded an organization, I didn't have any choice to use HIV and also start the program and services by uh, addressing um, men's sexual health. Mm -hmm. But I I had already a huge concern on women's health, what we can do for women. So my word, you know, being here is really Uh, to call governments in each countries, like especially where homophobia is still high, um, to um, focus on LGBT human rights, but specifically on women, women rights and women um, gender non-conforming, right, because we pretty much don't have anything after, you know, 15 years that the movement started, especially, especially in, in Africa. Mm-hmm. We don't have research for, for women, uh, lesbian women, we don't have, you know, funding for uh, uh, women. The feminist movement just started with including trans women, it's quite new. Uh, we need our government to support those kind of initiatives. Thank you so much, so, so much. And that's... Yes, the end of our time. <laughs> are you? I just want to ask you: Are you optimistic about the future? I'm. I'm. I'm very opti- optimistic because, as I mentioned, when I look at back in, uh, uh, in uh, fifteen years ago, when the movement, the LGBT movement started. Um, like a, we had only our passion. Mm. We didn't even have like a document. We didn't have like a funding. Like I remember I was a young teacher and I was using my money for the organization and stuff like that. Now in Ivory Coast only, we have 25, you know, LGBT organizations, including three trans people organizations led by trans women. Yay, I'm happy about that. We had uh, basically two um, a lesbian organization, we need more because the, uh, the, the issues around patriarchy within the, within the LGBT movement is still very strong and that's one of the things that the Global Men Engage, where I'm involved, is trying to tackle as well, like support the LGBT movement to come up with concrete mechanism and approach to you know, start talking about patriarchy within the LGBT movement. So I'm optimistic things have been moving forward. With 27 organizations only in Ivory Coast, without counting mm. you know, other LGBT organizations yes, in different correct. countries, um, when, when we look at back where we only had one organization, I think the, uh, the progress is uh, speak by itself. But once again, we need to address specific issues within you know, the community, especially uh, issues around women um, and women gender non conforming, including trans women. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was really interesting. And yeah, uh, tune in for the next episode, everyone. Bye. Bye.